Well, our scripture lesson today comes from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, and you'll find that on page 839 and 840 of your pew Bible. It's a very familiar story to everyone, I'm sure, Jesus calming the storm. In fact, you may have even seen the movie, The Perfect Storm, or perhaps read the, the book. I typically see the movie because I don't have time to read those sorts of books. But it's a story uh, that's true in which a fisherman, captain of a fishing boat, led uh, his group out to sea from Gloucester and went out for one last catch of the season. And a hurricane met a nor'easter, and when the two collided, created the perfect storm with 100-foot wave swells. And as you can imagine, at the end of the movie, Everyone on the board ends up dying. It's really a tragic tale and a cautionary tale, you might say, to fishermen. Now here, Jesus leads a little group into a boat as well. If Jerry Bruckheimer or perhaps Steven Spielberg were to get a hold of this and make a movie out of it, you might imagine them as you follow the storm, as it goes across the landscape from the Mediterranean over the over Israel, over the mountains, and then swoops down over the Sea of Galilee and begins to churn up the waters and cause great destructive force. And here's this little boat of a few little disciples and Jesus. But rather than being a tragedy, this particular storm has a great purpose to it. And that's what we want to see today. Read with me Mark chapter 4 beginning in verse 35. Mark writes, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, Do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis, Abraham, who was not unfamiliar to storms in life, faced probably one of his greatest storms in life. God asked him to take his son, the promised heir of the covenant, the one whom he had waited for for so long, to take him to Mount Moriah to sacrifice him to the Lord. And what we're told is, The next morning, Abraham got up and took his son. Now, if it were me, I would be in a panic. What am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? How am I going to get out of it? The last thing that I want to do is to sacrifice my son. And yet, somehow, Abraham could find his way to do it. And I think it's because he learned to be more afraid of not trusting God than of losing his own son. 
You know, there are times when we go through great storms that make us panic as well. Sometimes we're afraid that we might lose something. Maybe it's our livelihood. Maybe it's our lives. Maybe it's our reputation. Maybe it's our comfortable lifestyle. Maybe it's our even our sense of control over things that we have manipulated things and they're working out just right. And if the Lord throws a wrench into things, then I've lost all control. The reality is that we fear or what we fear actually controls us. What you fear, that is to say what you reverence, what you worship ends up determining how you live your life. Abraham feared God and all these things. That is to say, he revered and loved him even more than his own son. And the reason that we know that is because God says to him afterward, don't lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. He learned to fear God over everything. You see, when Jesus got into the boat with his disciples, what he wanted them to do was to fear him over everything else. What were they afraid of? Well, they were first of all afraid of the storm, weren't they? But eventually they were terrified of Jesus. In fact, it ends here where they're in this great panic. He says to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? They were filled with great fear. Not at the storm but at Jesus Himself. And if we're going to fear Jesus above all, here's the first thing that we need to understand, is that Jesus actually leads us into the storm. That's the first point. Jesus leads us into the storm. Verse 35, we're told, On that day, when evening had come, He said to them, Let us go across to the other side. In other words, this is Jesus' idea. To get into the boat. He's the one who has purposed to go to the other side. And to do so by taking a boat in the middle of the night. Now, why go? All the other gospel writers tell us basically that Jesus and the disciples got in the boat. They went to the other side. He healed a demon-possessed man and he came right back. And the crowds were ready, waiting on him. In other words, it hadn't been that long. I don't think Jesus went to the other side just to meet the uh, the demon-possessed man. He had another purpose in mind. And that's what we find here. The disciples, you remember, still didn't have a clear understanding of Jesus' identity and of His mission in the world. And Jesus knows that they still trust themselves more than they trust Him. And that's our default mode, isn't it? To trust ourselves more than we trust Jesus. And so Jesus is going to break through to them, even if it means risking their lives. So that he might show them that he is the one to fear. So Jesus here has the disciples right where he wants them. You know that the Lord is the one who controls the weather. He controls all things. He's the one who sends storms. Jesus here is no less in control than He was when He was reigning in glory from heaven. This is no surprise for Jesus. But you know, I think it was no surprise for a couple of of, of four sailors too who got into the boat with Him. At least four of the disciples were fishermen. Peter, Andrew, 
James and John. Now, the other disciples, they probably piled into the boat thinking, well, we'll have a great ride to the other side. We'll talk with Jesus. This will be a nice time together. May have been that the four fishermen could smell the storm coming, spent their whole life on the sea. Maybe they could just tell by the way that the wind was blowing, the the smell in the air that, that there's a storm brewing here. And yet somehow they get into the boat and go anyway. So often, obedience to Jesus actually leads us into greater storms than what we can ever imagine. Consider all the people in the uh, 11th chapter of Hebrews, what we call the, the hall of fame of faith. All of these men, all of these women who trusted in the Lord, and not one of them was immune from the storms of life. And in fact, it was because they served God that they went into various storms. And that's exactly what's taking place here. It's because they're following Jesus. It's because they're obedient to Him saying, let's go across to the other side, that they end up in this great storm that's threatening their lives. Think of Martin Luther, who was summoned to the Diet of Worms because of all the things that he had begun to write. Salvation is by faith alone, in Christ alone. Justification by faith. And all that he could say is, here I stand, I can do no other. It's because of his faithfulness to Christ that he ends up facing the storm. Think of your own life. Think of some of the things that God has led you into. Some of the tragedies even. Hard times. Think of even this, this church here. Some of the hard times the Lord has led us into as a congregation. Because we're not without purpose. Because Jesus was doing that in one sense. And leading His people for great reasons. And that is to test our faith. So that what we worship, what we fear, what we revere in life. Is no longer the things of this world. But Christ and Christ alone. That we fear Him above all. That we have a great fear as the disciples did. What Jesus is doing is testing their faith. And notice what their response is to the, to the test. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, that must have been a question that just stuck like a dagger in Jesus' heart. Do you not care? Do you hear the irony in that? It's because God so loved the world that He sent His Son to die for sinners. You bet Jesus cares. That's exactly why He's here. It's because He cares that He's come into the world. What their question really means is, Jesus, why aren't You doing anything about my problem? Why aren't You delivering me? Don't You care about my particular problem? Now, what's wrong with that? What's wrong is that they don't really understand what their problem is. They think that their problem is the storm. It's not really the storm. Jesus can quiet the storm at any time as He just said, peace, be still. You see, their real problem is that they worship and fear and trust things in this life more than they fear Jesus. And He's going to do anything it takes to drive that from His people because He knows that the only way to blessing is by fearing Him above everything else. So Jesus' response to that is, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? 
problem is that they're fearing the wrong thing, and we often fear the wrong thing too. Wants our faith to grow, and at times He takes us through the storms of life for that very purpose. So that we would see how great Jesus is and how small everything else is in the world. You see, this is a storm with divine purpose. It's just like with Jonah. We've been speaking about Jonah on Wednesday nights. And here a great storm pursues Jonah because he knows that Jonah is running from God because what he fears is that the Ninevites would actually receive mercy from God more than he fears the Lord. And God says, I want you to fear me above all so that you trust me and so that you obey me. Isn't it the same example with Job who basically lost everything in his life? But you see, no storm will come upon the church. God is not purposeful to use in order to drive out all other fears rather than fear in Jesus. Sometimes we expect the Christian life to to be like a fireside chat with Jesus. I remember going to seminary thinking, well, this will be great. It will be like nice, pleasant evenings, reading and studying the Bible, reading other books as I just kind of uh, very re- in a very relaxed fashion study in the evening. My friends, it was nothing like that. In fact, what President Brian Chapel said to us when we entered into seminary is everything that goes on in the world goes on here and everything. Every way in which God would test you in the world, He will test you here. And at some point in your seminary experience, everyone will go through a major test. And it's true. Because it's the way that God shows us what we ought to really fear in life. Jesus knows what's in a man. He knows what we fear. He knows what we trust. And He wants nothing to compete with Him. Don't you think that Christ knows good and well? What's in your heart? Don't you think He knows what you fear above Him? Don't you think He knows what you trust above Him? And don't you think He knows just the right remedy to draw it out of you and to replace it with fear of Him? It's what He's been doing in your whole Christian life. and It's what He'll continue to do throughout your Christian life. Every storm that you go into, that is what... He is doing. He knows the best way for us to be delivered from our false fears is to be replaced with a new fear. The fear of Him. How else will Jesus teach us to fear Him and to trust His grace unless He exposes the sin of our hearts sometimes so much so that it is painful for us to look at? It's the way that He'll do it. How will Jesus teach us to fear Him and trust His affirmation of us unless He strips from us every other affirmation that man can give us? And say, now, the only affirmation you need is from Me. How else will He teach us to fear Him and trust His care of our lives unless He takes away, at times, every support structure that we've built around ourselves to provide a nice, comfortable controlled, and easy life. Sometimes He just rips those things away because our greatest problem is not that we don't have control. It's not that we don't have comfort. It's not that we don't have an easy life. Our greatest problem is that we don't fear Him more. 
So Jesus is leading us into these great storms to dislodge our fear of the world and trust in Him. Now what Mark tells us here is that they took Jesus with them just as He was. Just as He was. I think that's a little detail that that Peter gives to Mark because remember Peter's behind the writing of Mark's Gospel. I think it's a little detail as if Peter is saying, look, We didn't really know who Jesus was until we got into the boat with him. We simply took him just as he was. And in the end, they asked this great question. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You see, what they find out is who Jesus is, not who they thought Jesus was. We all have different versions of who we think Jesus is. Some of us think of Jesus as the great theologian, that He's there to teach me all the right answers so that I can know the right stuff and be on the right side. For others of us, Jesus is like a wonderfully kind grandfather who is there to give us the kinds of things that we want in life. For others of us, He might be the knight in shining armor who's supposed to come and sweep us off our feet and carry us away to this wonderful life that we might live happily ever after. For some people, Jesus is like a toll booth attendant. You drive up, Jesus punches your ticket, and you get to enter into the kingdom. They took Jesus as He was. And in the storm, they find out who Jesus really is. Now just imagine if Peter and Andrew and James and John being fishermen had smelled the storm and had said, no, I'm not going. No, thank you. See, all the other disciples would have come back and they would have been afraid, but they would have known Jesus for who He really is. My friends, it's in the storm that we find out who Christ is. Sometimes we're afraid to get in the boat. What He says is, come with me to the other side. And I'll show you just who I am. The fact is that Peter did go with the rest of the disciples. And it's because of that he could later write to the church. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. He thought it was strange that night when the storm was raging. But now he could say, there's nothing strange about it because my Savior leads me into those things that He might show me who He really is and that I might be able to trust Him more and fear Him above everything. Well, that's the first thing. Jesus leads us into the storm. Secondly, this. Jesus delivers us from the storms. Here what we find is that there's great panic in the midst of the crisis of the storm. And it's panic that is actually faithlessness in Jesus. But hurting in the midst of a storm or a midst of crisis is not faithlessness. Hurting is real. There was real pain that the disciples felt. Real agony. Real concern of whether their life was coming to an end or not. Jesus, don't you care? We're perishing. There are real pains. There are real hurts 
in the midst of the storms of life. And let me just say as an aside, there's sometimes something wrong about the way in which we respond to other people who are going in through the midst of a storm. We look at them and we see their panic and we see their hurt and we say things like, why are they panicking? Why are they so worried? And really what that means is that what we think of ourselves is that we wouldn't panic. We would be under control. We could handle it. And that's the very opposite of what Jesus is trying to teach us, isn't it? Because He's wanting to teach us you can't handle it. You can't control it. You can't take care of it. The only thing you can do is trust in Me. You see, to people who are going through the midst of a storm, pain is real. It is real. You think of a, of a little child at times and you look at them as they panic and you think, what's there to really panic about? But to them, the pain is real because that's their stage of life. Remember at times I had to remind myself of that in dealing with college students because so often the things that they were concerned about were petty to me and yet to them, they're real pains. And Jesus knows that about you. Because all the things that you panic about, he could certainly look at them and say, now, now wait a minute here. Is that really something to panic about? But he's caring. He's compassionate. And he's really concerned that they might not perish, but that they might be delivered. Now, here are the disciples. They're basically doing everything they can to alleviate the problem. They're probably bailing water out rowing, doing everything that they can to fix the problem, and the problem is just too big for them. If they could, they would probably get on their satellite phone and call the Galilean Coast Guard. Can you come save us? Send a helicopter. But here Jesus, in a sense, rolls out of bed. Rolls out of bed. Has to be woken up. And just stands up and says, Peace. Be still. You remember Psalm 19? For the work of creation, it's just a, the handiwork of God. It's, it's on His fingertips. It takes no effort at all. Not only for Jesus to calm the storm, but even that moment when He is asleep, to control the storm. And indeed to control the entire universe of all the billions and trillions of stars out there, even while He was asleep. All of that was in His hands. So great and glorious Christ is. And in that moment, Jesus says, peace, be still. And He delivers them from the storm. And He wants us to trust Him that He can deliver us from the storms as well. You know, sometimes there are, there are problems in this life that are far too great for us to handle where there's, humanly speaking, no solution. That was true for them at this particular moment. I can remember at, at uh, First Presbyterian Church, the ministers would always meet together once a week and we would talk about various pastoral problems and dilemmas and pray and seek God's guidance and at times try to think through how should we wisely handle this. And there were some problems that, as you know, are too great, humanly speaking, for us to deal with. And on Dr. Ferguson's desk was one of those staples buttons. You remember from the commercials where you press it and it says, now that was easy. 
When we would get done discussing some difficult problem that we knew we really had no solution to, somebody would press the button. Now that was easy, as if to say, we really have no idea what we're going to do here. We have no idea what the solution is. Making fun of ourselves. Because sometimes there's problems that are far beyond what we could handle. And Jesus knows that. And the greatest problem that you have that's far beyond your ability to handle is your own sin. And what Christ has done is to go directly into the heart of the storm for you, the storm of God's judgment, and to bear it all so that you and I could go free. So that we would be delivered from the storm of God's judgment. When Christ was raised from the dead, it is a testimony to us that one day there will be a final deliverance. See, some problems are not only too great for us, but they last our whole lifetime. Maybe you've experienced a problem like that where you know there will not be a final deliverance until I reach glory. And my friend, sin is a problem like that. Where you will never fully be delivered from it until Christ leads you into glory. And that is our hope. That one day He will finally deliver us from every storm of this life. And when we come to trust Him and fear Him above everything else, then those words that He spoke to the storm are like a soothing balm to our souls. Peace. Peace. Be still. What else can you trust in in this life? What other allegiances do you have? What other fears and reverences do you have in this life that could ever deliver you like that? Nothing can. Christ and Christ alone can profit you that way. You know, in early Christian art, the church was often depicted as a boat sailing across the seas with waves buffeting the boat as if to say that the church is at sea and it's always in the midst of the storm. But when Jesus is in the midst of the boat, we have nothing to fear. Because one day He will say to all of our struggles, one day He will say to all of our sin, peace, be still. Welcome to the safe harbor. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank You for Christ. We often ask the question of Him, do You not care? What a foolish question that is for us to ask because He did care so much that He would come into our broken world, into our corrupt lives, and bear the judgment of Your storm so that we might be able to go free. We pray this morning that His words, peace be still, would be a great comfort to our hearts too. And that like the disciples who took Jesus as He was, we would learn more of who Jesus really is. For Christ's sake, Amen.